0: Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Saeed Business School, University of Oxford, and Kantar, the marketing insights and consulting company. This episode is part of a series recorded remotely in March 2020 to look at the impact of COVID-19 on brands, businesses and consumers. I'm Jane Bloomfield, I'm Head of Business Development at Cantor.
2: I'm Felipe Tomas, Professor of Marketing at Saïd Business School.
0: Hello and welcome to this special episode of our Future Proof podcast. In this podcast, we will be chatting with Nigel Hollis, a Global Chief Analyst at Cantor, and Martin Guerrera, our Global Head of Research and Brand Z. And our topic for today is, is around how brands can survive the COVID-19 pandemic.
2: Hey everybody, and let me just kick it off with A quick question. We know that building brands obviously matter, but how is that any different during a moment
1: like crisis like we're seeing right now? I mean, something we talk about a lot on Brand Z is the importance of investing in brand to deliver great shareholder returns. And some people listening to the podcast may have seen the chart before where we look at share price of successful brands as dictated by Brand Z versus other indices around the world. But the piece we don't often look at and focus on is what happened to our strongest brand portfolio during the time of the last economic crisis in 2008. And actually, the data is very clear and it shows very clearly that brands that had stronger brand equity with consumers recovered their financial value a lot faster than those that didn't. So at a basic level, that is why brand building matters. And particularly now, that is why brand building is still so relevant and so important to our clients and prospects and beyond. So it's interesting to me that we have two very
2: valuable components in that, one being that these brands had been investing into the brand for a long-term view rather than just building short-term into all of their planning. And that not only got them better outcomes, but a resilience to survive a shock like we're seeing today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think particularly at times like this, there is even more of a tendency than ever for businesses to see brand building as a, a cost to the bottom line, particularly from you know the point of view of finance directors. Clearly cost savings will be sought at times like this, but our data definitely shows with our brands' evaluations that it's those brands that do find the budget to make that investment in brand building that generally are much better insulated during times of economic difficulty and ultimately are best placed to deliver great returns for their shareholders.
3: I think there's an important build on that point, which is I've been looking at the brand Z data during the Great Recession, and one of the things that becomes apparent is that people's attitudes to specific brands, their associations with those brands, are pretty slow to change because that relationship, that understanding has been built over a long period of time, far longer than the few months that a recession has taken to hit. But what is important is the relationship, the category will change. So for instance, right now, we know people are traveling far less because they're being asked to stay home, but they'll be ordering more online. Those sorts of shifts are things that will impact the category. And it's how well the brands then respond to that and how they communicate during the crisis that's really going to make a difference for the future.
2: That's a fantastic point. How then does this impact these, let's call them like weaker brands that are in play, when all of a sudden they might have had different expectations of different predictions of what the world was going to look like, and suddenly the the rug is pulled from under them, as it were, and cash flow is removed? Are we seeing a situation where suddenly we're losing some of the weaker brands,
1: Yes, I think we are, and I think in in times like this, in in times of crisis, um, whatever we want to call the current situation, I think there is a sort of amplification effect, um, and weaker brands are certainly coming under the microscope much faster than, than brands that are perceived to be stronger by consumers. So just in the last couple of months in the UK, we've seen some brands actually go out of business altogether. So the airline Flybe, which was originally bailed out by the UK government in January, more pressure as a result of lower levels of travel as the crisis started to take hold in the UK, and already that is a that is a brand and a business that has that has gone from the market completely. So you know who knows if the crisis hadn't happened at this time, it may have been able to recover to an extent. But I think the crisis definitely served to, to sort of amplify that that problem that that brand had. And even more recently, we've had high street brand Laura Ashley go out of business in the UK. That's one of the first casualties that we've seen as a result of the crisis that's ongoing at the moment. But no doubt there will be more before this is over. Sadly, I think that's true.
3: It's one of those things that, looking at brands that have disappeared from the marketplace, their equity usually signals very clearly ahead of time that things are not going well from a consumer demand viewpoint. And then, honestly, it comes down to the financial strength of the company and how well it can uh, survive its debt load. And then something like this comes along, an event that wasn't anticipated. And unfortunately, weak demand then combined with the inability to pay off the debt load means that the brand just disappears.
1: I I think something else that might be amplified at the moment is around online capabilities. So I think, again, we may start to see that brands that have not... Invested in their online offer may well be at a disadvantage in this difficult time, because clearly, particularly when markets around the world are being placed on lockdown, people are able to get out less, I think will certainly be at an advantage. And brands that perhaps haven't invested what they maybe should have will find themselves at a disadvantage, which could obviously lead to problems for some of those brands and businesses alongside everything else that's going on.
3: Yes, I think there are a number of different dimensions that are going on here because obviously restaurants, uh, entertainment, those businesses are going to be hard hit. But on the other hand, there are some categories which I suspect are likely to survive relatively well because they have made the investment in the online space, particularly e-commerce in terms of delivery. One category that I was slightly amused to read about here in the US is pet food and pet supplies which tends to be relatively immune to recession because people are willing to spend more money on their pets than they are perhaps on themselves. Plus, those businesses have invested in the e-commerce side of things to make sure that they can match up
0: to that demand. So you mentioned e-commerce as being important, but what other things can management and marketing teams do in the current situation to help shore up that equity or ensure their survival?
1: Yeah, I think kind of going back to a point Felipe made a second ago for me it comes back to the need for sort of a short-term strategy but also a long-term strategy so we've been looking at the importance of salience so how quickly a brand comes to mind to consumers with a particular need in mind versus what we call meaningful difference so the relevance and emotional connection of a brand and also its point of difference versus others and it's really interesting looking at a category effect and building on what Nigel was saying about certain categories so in certain categories, we find that salience is a very big driver of equity. These tend to be more commoditized categories. So certainly travel and tourism will fall in that space, but also brands as well. So within travel and tourism, I think when things eventually, hopefully fairly quickly, start to get back to normal, we are going to see a rush for salience with, with brands needing to get out there to remind people that they're in the marketplace. Um, but also for, for luxury brands, there's almost a dichotomy because... They need to be able to remind people quickly that they are there and available, but there could be a potential risk if they are too ubiquitous, because what they don't want to do is erode their point of difference, which ultimately makes them worth paying more for. And I think, as we've seen before, there is a tendency for brands across all sectors to rush to make short-term decisions around pricing, which could actually be damaging a number of sectors in the long term, but particularly within luxury. So... You know, there's there's definitely a need for slightly different strategies depending on the category, but brands are going to be under more pressure than ever to think long term and short term rather. And we talk about long term planning quite a lot, but I think there does need to be a short term plan in place for brands at the moment as well.
3: I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, job number one is to protect staff and customers and reassure them that that's being done. I have to say one of the slight risks for the longer term that I'm seeing right now is the number of what I would regard as slightly gratuitous emails that I'm receiving from various brands that I've had contact with over the years, including some that I haven't heard from for, you know, three or four years. In the short term, I think a lot of brands are beginning to move through from that immediate response phase into the short term. What can we do to make ourselves relevant? And, you know, whether it's Nike offering free access to their premium content here in the US or whatever, those steps are important. But to Martin's point, many brands now need to start thinking about okay, that's the short term. What is my long term game plan? How do I ensure that I'm in a good place when we start to move out of this crisis phase?
2: I think there's a distinction here that you guys mentioned previously that is very important. One, that we have an immediate health pandemic situation that carries a lot of contact with it. But then we have a subsequent economic context where brands are going to be facing a whole set of different challenges and where the existing branding assets they have in place might allow or disallow them to compete effectively in a downward or compressed economy combined with stronger competition and accelerating brand plays, right? So how do they manage that sudden potential competition for advertising space, share a voice when everybody comes in together to start finally talking to that
1: consumer that's back on the market? Several things there. So one, I think based on previous work we've done around the 2008 recession, the data showed quite clearly that it was brands that were at least able to maintain their share of voice versus the competition that came out of it best there's something relative there as well so if your competitors are spending more than ideally you need to be spending more too clearly as you said earlier i think some brands are going to be under a lot of pressure and no doubt some budgets will be cut so it's thinking tactically around well where is my spend best deployed by media channel am i trying to maximize reach and try and do a do a salience job or am I trying to do something different to, to really get across, perhaps more my point of difference versus the competition? So I think, you know, channel and being tactical by channel with with the budgets available, I think is going to be a really important consideration for, for brands. Because, you know, building a, a, a reach case and doing a salience job actually requires quite a different set of approaches for, for, for media and advertising investment than otherwise.
2: If I can use the analogy of events, you know, you probably experience a number of events and flights that have been cancelled currently but they're all somewhat rescheduled for September right and somehow we every meeting I'm going to have this year is going to take place in September now. And we're going to have something very similar in terms of investment in marketing that you're going to see some withdrawal early on. And then suddenly when everything is clear, every single budget is going to kick on at the same time. The risk of effectiveness and efficiency dips when suddenly everybody's on simultaneously is going to be an interesting thing to watch and also something to be wary of.
1: I mean, there's an obvious implication there around creative quality as well. You know, clearly with reduced budgets, what companies and brands are putting out there needs to be as effective as possible. And yes, channel is important, but obviously creative quality is also important. That that will be that will be critical.
0: Nigel, you talked about the appropriateness of of some communications at this time. It feels like there's an opportunity for brands that have a really clear purpose and purpose led brands, which gets talked about a lot. What do you see as kind of the role for for brand purpose now and sort of in the future as we might begin to transition out of the the pandemic and into recovery? I
3: I think that's an interesting question because it depends on exactly what the purpose is that the brand has identified. I'm one of those people that believes that every brand needs to have a purpose, but there are some that can have a purpose with a big P, i.e. they have wider social ramifications. And there are brands with little P, which is just you get a specific functional need solved for an individual. And I think right now, one of the most important things is, if I might say this, never mind the purpose, it's the emotional connection that people are looking for. They're looking for reassurance right now, but they are going to be looking for variety. What I'm trying to say is don't just assume purpose is still going to be the right thing to communicate during the time of a pandemic and then potentially during recession. I'm thinking about some of the brands that we've looked at in the past, and I want to actually harken back to something that Martin touched on, which is do not assume that when times are tough, people are going to be looking for the cheapest price. Again, looking back at the Great Recession, there were many brands, premium brands, that rode out that crisis very well without resorting to discounting. And there were some value brands that really had to invest to build trust because people didn't actually appreciate uh, the value that was on offer. So the brand that comes to mind in the UK, for instance, is Aldi. So as a hard discounter at that time, there were a lot of people who basically said it couldn't possibly be good quality at that price. And so the challenge was to reassure people that the products that Aldi was selling did match up to the the mainstream competition. And I think we see that time after time. Now is not the right time to make assumptions about what people are looking for. And it may well be that your brand purpose worked very well for you in the past. It might not be appropriate to continue down that road right now. And that means touching base with your customers, with your consumers, and really understanding how their emotional needs have changed, how their practical needs have changed, and then responding to that.
0: And I guess that will have changed depending on the sector or category. Have you got any thoughts on any particular categories that you think might need to be more mindful around, you know, how they're communicating or how they're, they're talking about their purpose?
3: Well, honestly, Jen, I think every category needs to be more mindful right now, but you know i I was reading about a, a cause TV ad here which caused the beer brand, an ad that was based around remote working during the March madness. Basically, they pulled the ad because a lot of people are working from home, remote working, and therefore it didn't seem appropriate to feature that.
1: yeah, and I think there's some some needed around the sort of race for purpose or brands been tempted to jump on the purpose bandwagon around this. I think, yes, if you're going to talk about purpose, it needs to be in an authentic way that's somehow related to your brand. There's, there's no problem with brands and businesses doing something for the good of society, clearly, even if it isn't completely related to their area of expertise. But there is an attempt to link it directly to the brand. There needs to be an obvious and authentic link, otherwise, in a risk that's, that some damage could be done from a PR perspective.
0: Nigel, you, so you've talked about purpose and and the importance of communications in some brands perhaps verging on being slightly inappropriate. Do you think there are certain categories or sectors that need to be more mindful about how they are communicating at the moment or how they're articulating their purpose?
3: I think we're going to see quite a lot of variation by category and for that matter by country. Again, having looked at trends during the Great Recession It was very apparent, for instance, in Spain that where the recession was particularly deep and prolonged and had a big impact on employment, that as time went by, purchases that people have been putting off, like automotive perhaps, they actually became much more focused on choosing the right brand rather than getting the best price. It's not that price is irrelevant. It's just that that's a pretty big decision and people want to make sure that they are actually getting the, the right match for them. There were other categories where perhaps the impact was more immediate, but didn't last as long. And in that case, one of those was at the way people were thinking about choosing an airline. Other categories where we've seen some significant changes were telecoms, for instance, where people were reconsidering whether they had the best provider or not. But then an awful lot of categories, we don't really see any significant change other than what is actually affected by the brands within the category. So for instance, it was it's fairly noticeable trends for grocery stores differed by country quite dramatically. And I mentioned the case of Aldi, and actually that was a case where, for instance, Tesco reacted by trying to price match and ended up in deep financial trouble a few years later. And so decisions taken now will have ramifications later on. And it's really important to make sure that you understand how your customer, your consumer is reacting at this point in time.
0: We have been running a a global barometer looking at at consumer perceptions. And one of the things that consumers are very keen to make clear is the appropriateness and the tone of communications from brands. Martin, have you got any thoughts on what sort of fine line they should be treading?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right, it is a, a fine line. And I think if brands haven't been communicating in a, in a humorous way in the past, then I think now is not the time clearly to be starting that. But equally, I think consumers are looking to brands to an extent to be able to provide a bit of light relief in their communications, given the current situation. So I think, you know, absolutely, if your brand has license to do that and is associated with very humorous, creative and a effervescent personality, then I think that that can be a, an opportunity for brands. An example that springs to mind is Nando's in South Africa. So talking about, you know, well-defined humorous personality, but they had a slight dig at KFC. So their ad was around, turns out that finger licking isn't always good. So, you know, that that is a, a, a small piece of humor to perhaps lift the mood, but that only works because of the work they've put in in the past with their consistency of comm strategy and how consumers perceive their brand. I think it's potential for brands to score PR own goals at this time. So obviously sensitivities and creative is going to be under more scrutiny than ever, especially as consumers locked inside perhaps have more time on their hands than usual. Um, so brands need to be careful, particularly you know spokespeople for brands. We've seen some examples recently that I won't name of very high profile spokespeople, perhaps speaking out of turn, maybe giving personal opinions, but they need to remember that they are so well associated with their brand in certain cases that even if it's a personal opinion, it has potential to do damage to that brand in the long term. So definitely some care needed.
0: Been listening to Future Proof. For all episodes and more information, visit cantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. Please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released. Thank you.